such great guys, you know, and, and you just pay attention to them. And there's there's some people for me through the years, and as you guys know, uh, I didn't have the best of this, but there have been people who have proved otherwise for me. It says in Ephesians 5, 1 and 2, it says, Be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love, just as Christ also loved you. So you they walked in love. And these men that have come along beside me in my life have showed me this, kind of almost like in a dad figure, such as Pat. Pat has just been this amazing man to me, uh, doing all that he can do for the church. I remember when Pat approached me, and him and I started talking about some of the things in the outside, and he just took it on, just totally transformed that outside, and has just loved you guys, loved the church, but it's been such an encouragement to me, like constantly encouraging me, like, like I cannot do enough for Pat because I just love the guy, and it's not a conditional love. What about uh, Ken? Where's Ken? Ken, right there. I don't know if you guys have uh, got to know Ken, but if you watch him with his son, Chris, and you watch him with his grandkids, he's just been this amazing man, this, uh, always watching out for them, just has this great relationship with them, just always kind of like uh, standing by them, listening to them, and just loving on them. And then for me, he's always speaking encouragement to me. Like, he's always just like the best encourager. And you could ask Justin this. Like, every time when Justin gets done, giving a message, Ken is like the first one to tell Bud how good that his message was. And he's just so sincere about it. And then there's Tom. Tom's not here today uh, because he has strep throat from yelling at us yesterday at the men's group. Um, <laughs> you know, Tom gets so excited. He's like, yeah! He just gets really into it, so that's probably why it's really good. But he's constantly reaching out. So these men are older men to me. I have a, a lot of friends in here that are very similar to my age that show me this unconditional love as well. But these are like bad things for me. They've impacted me with this unconditional love. I've watched men take on children as if they're own. Like Anthony with Justin. Have you guys seen that? How Anthony just took Justin in, like his own stuff, and loves him. Loves on him. Just gives him this unconditional love. What about Chunk? You know, taking on Brooke and Meg and Ian and Riley as, as their own, right? Don't you guys agree with me on that? I was saying how, how tough of a job it, it is. Yeah, but a great one. Not because of you, right, Brooke? Yeah. No, it's the younger ones. I'm the best. Yeah. I'm the good one, yeah. <laughs> but I hope that you're all getting the picture here is that there's an importance with unconditional love. So if you put condition on love, then you're doing something wrong because you need to have unconditional love. Like you need to love people no matter what, no matter who they are, no matter what they say, no matter what they do, you have this unconditional love. Unfortunately, there's people that will love with a condition. And so many of us will do that. We'll just put the condition on, and maybe it's consciously or it's subconsciously. But as dads, it's so important for us not to do this. Don't ever put or even portray a condition on your kid in order for them to be loved. That's huge. There's so many examples in the Bible of good and bad dads, good and bad children, right? Ways to respect their dads and ways that disrespect their dads. One of the ones that came up to me was King Saul and his son, Jonathan. You guys know about King Saul and Jonathan? You know, Jonathan, he just loved his dad. And we know that King Saul was just like this jerk, right? And, uh, and he wanted to always kill Jonathan's best friend, David. And there was a while there where Jonathan wasn't really sure if his dad really, truly wanted to kill David. And then finally he got the picture when uh, Jonathan, or when David uh, had a spear thrown at him by his by uh, Jonathan's dad, right? But it's interesting how you read the story of Jonathan and how it seemed like that Jonathan was constantly trying to get his dad's attention, like constantly trying to get the love from his dad. But the problem was, was that Saul was so jealous of David that he was never able to see that. He was never able to pursue that. And so then one day, David and Jonathan, they had to come up with this plan in order to get David out of there to get him to escape before uh, Jonathan's dad killed him. So they do this. And an interesting thing to me is that 
Although that Jonathan knew how bad that his dad was, he ended up still fighting for his dad to the very end. To the very end. And they both ended up dying in battle. The Bible says, so Saul, his three sons, his armor bearer, and all his men died together that day. There's some people that will constantly be trying to fight for love because they were never shown love. And that may be you. You may be, you may have never been shown love, the love that you should have been shown, because you always had a condition on this love. And so you're constantly fighting for love, and you're trying to get love, and you're pursuing this love, and you're doing all the wrong things. And I've seen people do this over and over and over, where they just get addicted to these really bad relationships, and they're trying to love on this person, and this person never is reciprocating, never showing the love back. And so they're constantly fighting for this, and then like Jonathan, Jonathan ended up dying as he was trying to fight for this love. And his dad, I would say, never even recognized that. I think that's such a tragic end. And it could have been such a beautiful relationship that Saul and Jonathan could have if that jealousy and envy wouldn't have been in there. The book of James tells us this perfectly. He says, where envy and self-seeking exist, what happens, confusion and every evil thing are there. Where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. That's what drives people to put conditions on love. What about King David's son, Absalom? You guys know Absalom? This man did every possible act that was bad that he could possibly do to his dad. He did not honor his dad whatsoever. In fact, I mean, he brought so much dishonor on his dad, it was unbelievable. At one point, David had to flee from his own house, from his own town, from his own country, because what his son Absalom had done to him. David received this message. He said, all Israel has joined Absalom in a conspiracy against you. Can you imagine that? Like you're raising up your son, and the next thing you know, your son creates this huge conspiracy to come against you to where you end up having to flee for your own life. And David, he loved his son so much, and he showed his son so much affection, and he trusted his son, and then his son created this conspiracy. Now here's the crazy thing, is that although Absalom did all this to his dad, David still had such a deep affection for him. When you read about this, he still had such a deep affection for him. He even ordered the commanders, because there was this big battle, right, that was, that was coming because of what had happened, what had happened to Absalom's team against David's team, and so they're going to have this big battle, and, and the, the commanders, they wouldn't allow David to come, because they knew that David would have, like, this sympathy, right? So they knew that this would happen, so like, David, you need to stay home, and so so what does David do? So David says, okay, well, would you do me a favor? Would you deal gently with my son Absalom? Would you just be gentle to him? You know, would you just not hurt him? Would you just maybe capture him and just bring him in? The spoiled son who caused so much grief for his country, for his king, for his friends. I know for me that I wouldn't, I wouldn't have dealt gently with this jerk, right? I would have been like, Absalom, you're going down, buddy. Unfortunately, Joab thought the same thing as me, because as you guys know, the Absalom's team was getting their butts kicked, and so Absalom's trying to flee, and he's in all this brush and trees and stuff like that, and then guess what happens in his hair? It's caught up in a tree, which is a good reason to have your head shaved, guys. <laughs> right? Right, Paul? You with me? You don't want to get your hair caught up in a tree, like this knucklehead. Gets his hair caught up in a tree, this dude sees it. He doesn't kill him because, why? Because David had told him not to. But then he goes back and he tells Joab, the commander, and Joab's like, you didn't kill this dude? Like, I would have literally given you 10 pieces of silver if you would have killed this guy. And the guy's like, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to go against David. So what does he do? Joab pulls out three daggers. Right? Gets him right in the heart three times. Bam, bam. And then that's not enough. So then what does he do? Is he calls on his 10 armor bearers, and he says, you guys finish this guy off. You imagine, boom, boom, Absalom, you punk, you jerk, right? They kill this guy. That's for you guys. You guys can put your ass So how do you think that David reacted to this? You know, this great battle was just won. Like this great battle, there was just victory. And so then David's first question is, how's my son Absalom? How's my son Absalom, right? Because he cared for him so much. Well, we know that Absalom is dead. And David responds like this. Oh, my son Absalom. My son, my son, Absalom, if only I had died instead of you. 
Peter, Lydia, like this guy pushed him out. His son caused so much grief on the country. His son caused so much, so many problems. And David still wishes that he would have died instead of him. That's unconditional love. Okay, get that as unconditional love. Now, if you're that Absalom in here, and if you're that punk kid, I hope that you have your head shaved. Right? <laughs> 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 you guys with me? Yes. You're like, Danny Young, you're good with my haircut right now. <laughs> but David loved him and mourned his death and wished he would have died instead of him. This example of David showing his love to his son is an example of the love that God has for us. 2 Thessalonians 3 5 says, May the Lord lead your hearts into a full understanding and expression of the love of God and the patient endurance that came from Christ. Patient endurance. Guys, get that patient endurance. So maybe today you need a prayer like that. Like your heart is not full of the expression of love. You're like, man, Jay, as you're just talking about like this conditional love, like I am doing that. I'm not really expressing love the way that I should be. The love of God, not your love, because your love will fail. But God's love will not fail. So you show the expression of God's love. And I know there's times where, where for my patience, where my patience is wearing very thin. But we're told to have patience, patient endurance. Dads, you need to have patient endurance for your kids. A few weeks ago, we were looking at this man, Gideon. You guys remember that? Seeing how God was going to use him and set it up to get him to a point of listening. Right, the patient endurance. You realize how much the Father has to have patient endurance with us. You guys, come on. You guys have to have patient endurance. You're like, oh, I'm sorry, Jay, I'm already perfect. God, God knows that about me. Like, he doesn't have to have patience with me. Well, he has to have patience with me. So I'll, I'll take it for the same way. But God is sending you up to do great things. You know, it's crazy because as I was writing this, he just stopped me. He wanted me to tell you guys this. He's setting you up to do great things. Don't look next door. Don't look at the person next to you. Look at me right now. Because God is setting you up to do great things. Each one of you individually, he is setting you up to do great things. Do you guys realize that? That he is setting you up. Not the church. You have the church. But you individually. He specifically was telling me this last night. That he's setting you up to do great things. Woo! That's right. Exciting. But he wants you to come to a full understanding of his love. Because in order for you to do great things, you have to understand his love. And his love is unconditional. And that's how you have to portray his love. Because if you're putting conditions on it, and you're claiming to be a Christian, and you're doing this in the name of God, then what are you doing? Is you're proclaiming that God is a God of conditional love, which he's not. He's a God of unconditional love. So he's setting you up to do great things. But you have to receive his unconditional love in order to be able to do these great things. And maybe there's some things that are in the way of receiving this. Maybe it's envy. Maybe you're envious of someone. Maybe you're just watching the, these people around you and you're like, man, I, I, I have envy over those people. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. Maybe you're strife. Maybe you're just like one of those people that is just constantly causing strife. Over and over and over again, you just want to cause strife. Like you go into a place, you're like, how can I stir this up to cause strife? Get rid of it. Right? Envy and strife are not from God. And he wants you to get rid of it. So why? So you can do great things. So Gideon. Gideon is getting set up to do great things. And I, I want to read you guys this story. So turn to Judges. Judges chapter 6. We're going to continue on with Gideon. Now remember before how the Lord proved himself to Gideon, showing Gideon that it's truly like God, right? It's like, yes, you're having this conversation with me. It's truly me, and, uh, and I'm just going to show you this. And so he shows him that he proves himself, and now he's going to send him off to his first mission. How many of you can remember your first mission that God sent you off to? Scary stuff, right? Like, okay, God's sending me in, and I'm really scared, but I'm not going to show that I'm scared. I'm going to show that I'm tough and I'm strong. Because I'm being sent in by God, so therefore there should be absolutely no fear whatsoever. Well, we all get scared at times, right? And so now look at what this first mission is. This is kind of a crazy first mission. So it says in 6, verse 25 of Judges, it says, Now it came to pass the same night that the Lord said to him, Take your father's young bull, and the second bull of seven years old, 
and tear down the altar of Baal that your father has, and cut down the wooden image that is beside it. And then build an altar to the Lord your God on top of this rock in the proper arrangement, and take the second bowl and offer a burnt sacrifice with the wood of the image which you shall cut down. So Gideon took ten men from among his servants and did as the Lord had said to him. But because he feared his father's household and the men of the city too much to do it by day, he did it by night. So he did it, right? I mean, props to Gideon. Even though that he did it at night, he still did it. You know, so sometimes God will tell us to do things, and sometimes we'll, we'll, we'll do it, but we'll do it like a, maybe a little bit different way because of fear. But you see, this mission that Gideon was tasked to do, this his very first mission, was to tear down his dad's altar that was built for another god, and then cut to pieces these woman images. Maybe it's like that big, huge pole that they would have, like that Africa pole. You know, and they would just sit there and they'd worship the pole because it was like the pole of the gods. It was like this sexual pole. It's kind of weird. But anyways, so he was called to go in and cut this down. Cut down his dad's image. And so when you think about this, maybe this was like his dad's showpiece. Like, do you ever have like a showpiece? You're like, this is, this is my showpiece right here. Like, this is it. And all of a sudden, your son come along and, and cuts it down. You're like, what? You just took down my showpiece. Maybe these images, maybe they're like these lucky images, you know, like you have this lucky coin or something like that. You know, it's like, this is my lucky coin. You know, every time I flip this coin, it lands on tails, and I'm in. Right? And all of a sudden, that's taken away. So now his lucky thing was just taken away from him. And Gideon is called to do this. Gideon, the son, who was hanging out in the wine press. Why was he hanging out in the wine press? Because he was afraid of everything that was around him. So this chicken is getting called to do this against his dad. Not only was he to do this, but he was also building an altar for God. And you're thinking, well, yeah, he should build an altar for God. But what was he told to do? To use his bull, right, that was six years old, that was probably being set aside to be an offer for what? For his bell, right? For that God. So now he's going to take this, 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 this cow that's been raised, and it's probably like this prime cow, like in his prime time, and he's going to use this, something that his dad had probably set aside to use, and he's going to take even that prized possession away. And he's going to use this to offer to God. But then you also have to remember that not only was he doing all this, but he's going to build this altar for God. And what was going on with the Israelites at the time? Was they were very discouraged with God. Why is that? Because the Midianites had taken over. And now he's getting called in to build this altar to God. And people are going to be like, why is God getting in on this? We're discouraged with God. God has let us down. God has, has allowed this to happen to us. And it's interesting to me because, first, is that God wants to take down the idols before you do anything in your life. You have idols in your way, God's going to take those down in order to reach you. You have things that you're putting above God, he's going to take those things away so that he can reach you. But then secondly, is that sometimes we're like called in to remind people of God. You get called into these areas where people are just super discouraged with God. And he'll call you into those places. And you just kind of have to work your way in. Just be like that gentle reminder that God loves you. You know, that gentle reminder that God is here because you are representing God. And so sometimes God will do that to us. I don't know if you've ever been called into a place where people are really angry with God, really discouraged with God, but it's a really tough place to get called into. But you get called into that because God wants to continue to remind people that he loves them. So Gideon, what does he do? Is he does his mission. He does it at night, out of fear, but he does it. Have you ever done anything late at night for the Lord? Late at night? Like, it's late at night? Well, I, I, I don't know if you guys heard the story or not, but I was thinking about it. It was one night. And it was during this time where I was a youth pastor and uh, over there ran and the girls were having this, this lock-in and and so we decided to have this boys' night at our house. And I think there were probably like 10 of us, like Gideon, you know, like 10 with him. And it was a very spiritual night. We watched like Braveheart and other movies that were very similar to that. And just totally getting into it, you know. And so it was late. And uh, I'm not sure how late it was, maybe midnight, maybe 2 in the morning, maybe 3 in the morning, I don't know. But we got this commission from the Lord. The Lord told us specifically, I need you to get up and go scare the girls. <laughs> Right? Doesn't God commission you like that? 
So we stuck over to the church, walking the scary streets of Upper Roco. I don't know if you guys ever walk those streets. I don't know. You gotta watch out for bears and stuff. And then we all surrounded the church. It was so awesome. We all surrounded the church, the sanctuary. And, we, and remember, we just watched all these really cool movies. And so we really into this, you know. And, and you gotta imagine, like, these, these you know, youth, like, they're just pumped up there. Yeah. We're out here. We're gonna scare these girls. And so we had to for them to, like, when they're gonna do it. And, and they did it all at the same time. Banged on the windows and started going, ah! Right, like that. All of a sudden, we started hearing what? Dreams, yes. Mission accomplished. Thank you, Lord. We'll run back to our house now, right? That's awesome. They were so excited. But just as Gideon did what he was told, just as we did what we were told by the Lord, there's a consequence, right? Consequence there. Well, look at these consequences that Gideon has. So Judges 6.28 says, And when the men of the city arose early in the morning, there was the altar of Baal torn down, and the wooden image that was beside it was cut down, and the second bull was being offered on the altar which had been built. So they said to one another, Who has done this thing? And when he inquired and asked, they said, Gideon the son of Joash has done this thing. Imagine if you're Joash right now. Imagine if you're that dad. Just imagine that for a moment. Your son has just cut down the altar that was built. To another God. Your son has just taken down the woman in the wooden images that you just cherished. And this was a representation for this city. Like the city loved this. And it was like probably like in your yard, and it's like your prize. And now all of a sudden, all these men are gathering together and they're just realizing that it's your son that has done this. And you're just realizing that it's your son that has done this. Imagine that. What would you do? I mean, you really have to stop on this and meditate on this for a second because it's so easy just to keep reading. But if you think about this, like this dad right now, what is he going to do about this? Pull out the belt? Come on, son. We're going out back. You're going to get yourself a nice little whipping here. I mean, I know what would happen to me. But then look what it says here. Then the men of the city said to Joash, Bring out your son that he may die because he has torn down the altar of God and because he has cut down the wooden image that was beside it. And you know that the Old Testament law was that if the kids disobeyed their parents, if they caused disrespect to their parents, you know that they would get get thrown out there in the streets and they would get stoned to death. So that would be like, you know, like like this example, like, hey, you don't disrespect your dad, right? You don't disrespect your mom. Can you imagine that? Like, if we were to do that today, like, you know, we'd have a lot of dead kids in the street, right? <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of disrespect going on with parents these days. So they're ready to kill him, right? So look what it says in verse 31. It says, but Joash said to all who stood against him, and I remember reading this, guys, and honestly, I read this a long time ago, and I was like, man, I hope this falls on Father's Day when we study this part. Is God in control or what? Is God listening to our prayers? Yes, he is. Verse 31, but Joash said to all who stood against him, would you plead for Bel? Would you save him? Let the one who would plead for him be put to death by morning. If he is a god, let him plead for himself because his altar has been torn down. This is awesome. Gideon doing as God had instructed them. Now there's this riot, and the people are figuring out that it was Gideon getting ready to tear down his dad's altar. They're coming to get, kill him. And who sticks up for him? His dad. I love that. It's his dad that sticks up for him. I mean, imagine Gideon going against his dad, tearing down this altar, doing what he's commanded to do. And I can't even imagine, like, he's thinking that his dad's going to come against him and try to beat him, try to kill him, try to hurt him. And it's his dad that sticks up for him. That's a Father's Day message right there. I only wish that everyone had a dad that would stick up for them. Everyone deserves a dad that would do that. Everyone deserves that. I know for me, man, you come after my son or daughter, and you're coming after me. You're my family, and it's on, right? It's on. And you guys, if you've ever come against my family, then you've learned that. 
because I would die for my kids, right? I would defend my kids, even if, even if I remember there's been times where Justin has been in the wrong and I knew it, but I will defend him and then I will deal with him later, right? You guys ever do this, parents? Yep, you will fight for your kids, even though you know they're wrong, and you're just going to deal with them when you get home. <laughs> so, but I mean, you know, we have such a close relationship. I mean, but we've worked hard on that, right, Lynn? We've worked hard on that relationship. And it's keeping this closeness, like the love and the respect and the trust that him and I have for one another. You know, there's been times where I promise you, I've been wanting to spring on him. And I know vice versa, where he wanted to spring on me. But, um, but the thing is, is that if anyone messes with him, the Lord messes with me. And that's what I get from Gideon and Josh. That's what I get from Gideon and Josh. And I love this about Gideon's dad. Gideon's obedience, get this with me, guys. Gideon's obedience causes repentance for his dad. You guys see that? Gideon's obedience causes repentance for his dad. So you guys are like, my dad is such a screw-up. You know, my dad is just messing up here. My dad is messing up there. My dad's well, you obey what God tells you to do, and you watch and you see what happens with your dad. Because you see this obedience and it causes this repentance. And I want to take that one step further. Because we're looking at this for dads, but let's look at this for your family, for the people around you, for the ones that you've been praying for. Are you staying obedient to everything that God is telling you to do? Are you staying obedient to everything that God is telling you to tell them to do? Are you staying obedient with all these things? Because obedience can cause repentance on others. You guys get that? Obedience can cause repentance to others. And you don't know how, but you just have to obey. You just have to obey what God is telling you and how he's leading you. I mean, Gideon's dad could have easily allowed this guy to tear up his son, right? But instead, he called out Saul and said, Hey, man, if you guys really think that this dude is a god, then he'll defend himself. I mean, that's what we say about our god. That's what I say. Is that what you guys say? Like, hey, my god can defend himself. That's all I'm saying is he can defend himself. I don't have to defend him. And I wouldn't want to mess with my god. And I wouldn't want to mess with my god's children either. Because he gets angry, right? But you see how God had to first deal with idolatry before he could allow the battle to be won. And the battle that really begins is going to be for next week. But the battle of idolatry, guys, we need to combat that. We need to get it out of our lives. So, Dad, today is an important day, right? For you to be honored. But also, it's a day to take a look at yourself and make sure that you're worthy. Because you need to prove that to your kids, right? Today we saw three examples. We saw a dad that had conditional love. We saw a dad that was willing to give his life for his son, but his son rejected that. And then we saw a dad that fought for his son. I think those three awesome. Our Father in Heaven, something to remember is that he does not have conditional love. He loves you unconditionally, just the way you are. We have a Savior who loves you so much that he did give his life for you. Unfortunately, there are going to be people that will reject him. And then finally, we have a father who will fight for you. So today, I believe it's a very important day for us to look at our hearts and to make sure there, there's no envy or strife getting in the way of parenting the Lord. We're going to switch gears for a second here. Today, you're looking for clarity, right? Today, we are looking for clarity as a church. We've been praying. Some of us have been fasting. You know, just gearing up for this day as we come here just to, uh, just to vote who the next pastor is. And it's, it's I, I, to be honest with you, it's kind of a weird position for me. It really is. It's just really weird to, to think of, okay, like, I'm going to be passing this, this, this mantle, this torch on to the next person. And, and, uh, and each person that, that, that I know that's a candidate, you know, like, like Nikolai, I love Nikolai, love him like a brother. You know, uh, Andrew, I loved his passion. I loved seeing him come and, and just hearing the things that he had to say. James, I loved how James, you know, just brought that simple message. And now he is uh, just really praying for the community. I, I really love each each one of those three. And um, and and so we need to make sure that we have a, a pure heart as we're going into this. Because, like, you, you don't want to just vote for someone just because you like them. You want to vote for someone because you want to make sure that they have the right heart. Right? You want to make sure that they have the right heart, that they have 
pure motives. So when we look at the Bible, the Bible tells us when you're seeking wisdom from above, this is what needs to happen first. Is James tells, the book of James tells us that wisdom from above is first pure. So how are your motives? Like, thinking about this right now, going into this post, we need to have a right heart. And so right now, I'm going to ask you guys to check your hearts, okay? Check your hearts because we need to have pure motives in everything. So how's your heart? How's your motives when you do each thing? Like, each conversation that you have, are they pure motives? Like, are you having this conversation to be pure about it? Then he says they're peaceable. Are you promoting peace or are you promoting strife? Like, when you're hanging out with people, you know, do they have peace when they're hanging out with you or do they just start kind of getting worked up and start having that strife? Are you being gentle? We're told to be gentle. Are your words, your actions gentle or are they harsh? In other words, would you like to hear what you're saying to somebody else? Like the words that are being said, would you like to hear those words? Are they gentle words? Like, would it encourage you? Would it edify you? Would it build you up? Then he says they, they are willing to yield. So are you one of those that always has to have the last word? Like, you always have to be right. Then he says it's full of mercy and good fruits. What are you producing? Is there joy around you? Like, is there peace around you? Is there encouragement around you? Like, what kind of, what things are you producing? Like, what's around you? Finally, he says this, not to do it with hypocrisy. Not to do it with hypocrisy. And I just kind of got stuck on this one. Because for me, I'm often praying for discernment. Any of you pray for discernment in here? You pray for discernment, right? And, and God is a God who answers prayers. You guys get that? So you're praying for discernment, God's going to give you that answer. So this is something that God points out to me, that he shows me really clear when people are being fake to me, like when they're being hypocrites. He shows that to me, like in business, he shows that to me in church, he shows that to me in friendship. Like, hey, this person's being fake, right? Hey, this person is being really pretentious. Hey, this person is not legit. Hey, this person is legit. And so he gives that to me. So if you see me staring at you kind of funky, it's because God's telling me that you're not being <laughs> Like, whoa, oh man, give me the fan right now. Does that ever happen to you? Like when a preacher's preaching and they're preaching right at you, all of a sudden you just start getting hot? Like, is it going to look bad if I start fanning myself really quick? Because right now, the Holy Spirit is slowly speaking to my heart, right? God doesn't want us to be fake. He wants us to be real legit people. He wants us to really have just the right hearts, right motives. Just, just If you want the peace from God, then you need to go at it with the right motives, with the right heart. So I'm saying all this right now because we need to have the right heart as we pray our goals. I'm just going to read this to you, James 3, 17 and 18. So this is what I just explained to you. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So any of you the worshiping, any of you come back up for a moment. We're gonna kinda we're gonna kinda do this. I don't know. I, honestly guys I've been praying about this a long time. I mean like this moment here is how are we gonna do this? Um Right now, what we're going to do is I'm going to give you guys a moment to get your hearts right. Okay, so I'm going to give you guys a moment to get your hearts right. And and if you want to, um, and I, I'm not going to ask anybody to come up here and pray with you or anything like that. But I'm going to ask you that if you have something that you need to bring before the altar, so that you have the right motives, then I want you to come up here and just take a moment and give it to God. If you don't feel comfortable coming up here, then you just stay right where you're at and you give it to God. So, um, so while they're playing this song, I want you guys to get your hearts in the right place. When the song is done, then we're going to go into corporate prayer. But you need to get your hearts right, okay? Not only for the vote, but just also for your life. Because as I was telling you, that like God is telling me that he's preparing you to do great things through you. He's preparing to do great things for you. So take this opportunity to come up here 
get your heart right. If you want to stay there, then get your heart right. Wherever you're at, get your heart right. So bring it to the altar.
Now we're going to go into a time of corporate prayer. So what that means is we're all going to be praying together, and I'm going to open up the floor. So if anybody feels led to pray, just go ahead and stand up and pray, and um, and we'll give it a minute. Uh, Watch it is a lot longer than a minute, but uh, but don't feel uncomfortable right now. Just um, just go ahead and, and stand up and just pray. I think that we're all concerned, and so we all need to pray. So go ahead, doors open.
Lord, would you continue to speak to our hearts, Lord? I know that each one of us came in today, possibly already deciding on who who it is, God. But Father, we just want to take this moment just to listen to your voice. Would you speak to us so loud and so clear that each one of us has come? I love to think about all the different times Lord, that you have written in the Bible about when you're calling to people and how they have to learn how to listen. Father, we don't want in two years for this church to be nothing. We don't want in five years for this church to be nothing. We want to be able to pass on this church generation to generation to generation. We need somebody that will come in here with some fire, God, some zeal, Lord. Somebody that will just come in here, God, and just click the vision. As Chris was praying, just continue to come in here, God. That this community can continue, this church can continue to reach its community. And Lord, you know how in the beginning, how. God, how we knew this was going to be a community church, but we knew that name would not be a community church. The name would just be strings attached to it. Or strings would just come up in all kinds of crazy places. Places that are unpreventable. That you would just spring up wherever. And it would not be able to be covered, it would not be able to be masked. That the spring would not stop. And so we thank you for that, God. We thank you that strong springs have sprung, and they will continue to spring. And so, Father, just unite us as one. Keep our motives pure, God. Keep our hearts pure, Father. Keep us going in the right direction. As somebody was praying earlier about the murmurs, God, we, we do pray against that. And I've been hearing murmurs as well. Father, that needs to stop here and today. It needs to be repentance of our God. Because we're not a church of gossip. We're not a church of murderers. We're a church of love. Shame on us that when we get caught up in that. Because that's not of you, God, and we want to be of you. And so, Father, if one of us tries to murmur 
You guys ever heard that song? I want to be your hands. I want to be your feet. I want to be your hands. I want to be your hands. You guys know that song? No. No. <laughs> 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 